Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers with over 45 million members. It's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bets. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company and the app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and he's back after three weeks of blanking us all on Twitter, on WhatsApp, on every other device possible. That's despite a golden black meltdown of willy bolly sized proportions. He is here gracing us with his presence at long, long last. It is Tim Actual Spears. Hello. Hello, Bab. How are you doing? What's it's the problem? It's so nice what's to this, have you back. Three-week meltdown. I've been catching up on what's the problem? Signing loads <laughs> man of Man takes tonight. holiday. Well, man <laughs> takes holiday is not normally a big headline, but in your case it is because things happened at everybody's, most people who listen to this, their favourite football club, and they, they needed to turn to somebody in authority for support. And whilst they may have sought that elsewhere, a lot of them wanted to turn to you and you weren't there for them. Although they turned to you, I noticed, when you were posting on Instagram about your breakfast in the Lake District. And, you know, it looked nice, you know, poached eggs and avocado or whatever it was you had. Oh, you and, should see uh, the DMs I've got in the last few weeks. Oh, the responses like, were, are we signing, Tim? Are we no, signing oh, anyone? Oh, my God, exactly. Like, I'm, apparently, I'm not allowed to take a holiday ever again, apparently. No, I mean, it was quite selfish of you to take a holiday in the summer. Terrible. But did you have a nice time? It was lovely. I had a lovely time. Um, I tried to completely switch off. So I was in, I was in when the Doherty stuff broke, mm. I was in the middle of um, nowhere in Scotland, literally nowhere with no phone signal. I tried to get involved with what was going on just to kind of help out with work and stuff. And um, I had to phone somebody who would kind of know what was going on and relay that back to people at work. Um, but I had no phone signal in my, in my little cottage. So I had to drive about 10 minutes away um, when I sat in a supermarket car park, I phoned this person, they didn't answer, and I had to sit there for two hours on a wet Wednesday night in Scotland in a supermarket car park by co-op, waiting for someone to phone back. It's just like, oh, the madness of Wolverhampton Wanderers never stops. See, I haven't given you any credit for that. I literally thought you just blanked everybody, including me. Um, I just totally, i just leave that hanging there. But I, I just thought you managed <laughs> to switch off, because you are good at this. I mean, you are good at this. I'm the complete antithesis of that. I go on holiday for two weeks in Rhodes, usually, not this summer, and spend several hours listening to football podcasts, like three a day on average. And I've learned actually in time that that's a really bad idea. You need to recharge your battery. So you're much better at that. And I, I laud you for that. I deleted Twitter. Deleted it off my phone, I did. But yeah, no, I, when all the doc stuff was kicking off, I had to kind of get involved. I mean, it was such a, a huge story and a big shock. And I was furious. Do you know, I nearly phoned up. Paul Berry did a fantastic job last week. Loved the pod, Jackie. It was great. But I was, on Sunday night, I nearly phoned you. I was like, 
I'm live 15 million? Are you joking? <laughs> oh, I've got to have my say on this. Yeah, you'll have your say. You will. There's lots to catch up on. The Connor Cody business. Not there's much to say, but I'm sure you're quite happy for him. Um, there's just other stuff that's gone on. But let's start with the facts that things have calmed down a little bit, haven't they? They have, because it was crazy, because Wolves have sold it. Fantastic right wing back. And they'd let Morgan Gibbs-White go to Swansea and, you know, Johnny was injured and that's it. But but people did melt down about it. But but then I put a tweet out this morning saying Vinagre might go and it's all it's all gone again. It's all meltdown again. I, I, I don't know if this is acceptable to say on a family programme, but someone did text me this morning to say Wolves fans are more up and down than a bride's knickers. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's about right, really. So it's um... <laughs> it's supposed to be bride's nighty, but never mind. Nick is this fine. <laughs> so so if Vinagra goes, the meltdown will start again. So yeah, there's there's a bit of a clash between what fans want and what Nuno's going to give them. Um, the bottom line is the squad needs a bit of a refresh, but he still wants a very small squad. That's not going to change. So there won't be a glut of incomings over the next. Uh, few weeks and I think fans will just have to <laughs> will just have to trust in what Wolves are doing and you know what over the what they've given them over the last three years I would have thought that we would been a little bit more patience the the meltdown shocked me and I've seen a few in in the last few years but the the Doherty meltdown and the lack of signings meltdown and the the lack of trust in Foson that shocked me to be honest um You've, you know, considering what Wolves have done in the last three years and their their record on first team recruitment has been exceptional, so I think Wolves have probably been a bit alarmed at that as well. Really, you know, just trusting what they're doing, look at what they've done, and um, I think things are going to be absolutely fine, Jackie. Absolutely fine. I'm not sure there's much point in having banners up saying in Nuno we trust if at the first sign of trouble everyone panics and runs That's for the it. hills. There's not much, tr- not much point That's in it. that, is there? season hasn't started. It doesn't start for another week. They've got an exceptionally good first team, right? They're a little bit short at the moment. They need to bring a couple in, but I'm sure they'll do that. In simple terms, they know what they're doing. I guess the point was that they'd lost both wing-backs effectively and replaced them with, I, a, I with sort of a week or so to go. And that makes it feel to many people that there's not going to be time to bed anybody in, to strengthen the squad, and people were thinking, keep what you've got, but then add quality additions and maybe it's a sort of a, a mental mindset change. Yeah, I was furious with the Doherty fee and I, and I was surprised they sold him. But for the melt, the meltdown was not justified. I was, I was surprised at that. Just have a little bit more faith, I think. I do wonder whether some of it's because this is the era of social media, whereas a few years ago, if something went wrong on David Instone's watch, there certainly wasn't any social media. You had the Express and Star at whatever time it came out or was delivered through the door to see what the latest was and 24 yeah, hours to absolutely. stew over it. But you might phone a friend on the landline or something, but you wouldn't you wouldn't WhatsApp people, you wouldn't text people. You certainly wouldn't go on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, you know, scream from the hills and then spread it to tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. That's not criticism. That's just the modern way that we live our life, that if something comes to my mind, I'll ping it off to you or tweet it or something. Totally. And the angriest and most frustrated people shout loudest, don't they? I mean, I always think of it as in... Uh, my dad and two of my sort of three best mates just don't have Twitter or if they do they've got an account but they never ever post they'll just lurk my dad just lurks in the background and I'm sure that's that's probably the case for a lot of people you know a lot of normal sensible people don't don't use Twitter not everybody uses Twitter I still I still think as widespread as it is I still think it's a dangerous barometer to judge what your fans are thinking just on Twitter because like I said it's still 
really the minority that use Twitter and use it regularly and give their opinions regularly. And they tend to be the shoutiest, angriest, uh, most passionate people. Yeah, and sensible, middle of the road. Oh, I'm not sure exactly. about that fee. Well, I don't know about that. Should we let him go now? Well, I'm not sure. That doesn't get heard, does it? That, um, or, or actually, tweet, they'll come good. Awful tweet. Don't put that. That's really boring. So... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you, I think you, need, no, you do need what, to still what, take that into context. What I'm saying is, if if people kind of go, I'm not sure I like that decision, but I'm sure it'll come good. They know what they're doing. That won't get retweeted fifty thousand times, will it? Whereas they've all lost the plot in capital letters by somebody who's a fairly prominent fan, perhaps might get retweeted fifty thousand. Hundred percent. Um, mm. I can't let this moment pass without without querying. What? Why are we recording in the morning? We're normally. <laughs> Normally one, no, normally about three o'clock we record on Monday afternoon, but this is half eleven as we speak. Um, I was I was summoned, told I had to record this morning because the Queen of Codsall is busy this <laughs> afternoon. Um, what's going on? What, what's going on, Jackie? What are you doing? Well, I'm having a private medical procedure, actually. A test, a private test, actually. I can't believe you're asking me about this in public, Don't Tim. Don't throw this back on me. Come on, what's going on? What's occurring? A uh, coronavirus test. <laughs> Why, why would you ask? We all know we all know what a big celebrity you are. Stop and... it. Just because I know you. Just because you're in my little black book. No, I am actually having a coronavirus test, but not because I've got any symptoms whatsoever. Why? Um, well, because before you go into a TV studio to record a certain programme... Yeah. With... What are you on? What, are you going on being allowed in. You going in the castle? No, I'm not going on that. Oh my gosh, no. Oh my gosh, couldn't eat you all Going those. on masterminds? No, I had to turn that down. Genuinely, I was asked to do. I was asked to do that celebrity mastermind last year, and I was so busy with work that I just didn't have time to do the prep. And also, they didn't like my specialist subject. What Steve Froggart's Wolf's career? No, you got the Steve bit right. You can't guess the rest, can you? Steve no, Ball. I gen- yeah, I genuinely asked to do the Life and Times of Steve Ball. And do you know what they said? This is 100% true. I'll show you the email. They said, um, oh, unfortunately, we don't think our researchers will be able to find enough information on that subject. What? <laughs> what? The they greatest didn't, forward the world has ever seen. They just didn't want me to do it on Steve Ball. Okay, I said, okay, what about Wolverhampton Wanderers post-1990? Um, but then I just had to go back to them and said, I, I can't do it this time. But no, it's not uh, Mastermind. Um, I've already so failed... Failed on another couple of shows. It's um, the chase. The chase. The chase. <laughs> chase. Oh, Some sort of celebrity special. Um, they're obviously scraping yeah. the barrel here a little bit, but um, yes, yeah, so it's due to go out in December, one Saturday night in December on ITV, and I'm absolutely bricking it. Not just because I don't know very much about anything apart from things in gold and black or round footballs, bag of wins. But also because I want to work out what to wear and I've only got two days notice and I haven't had time. I've done loads of football <laughs> matches the last few days and various things. And anyway, I'm so, so yes, excited. apologies in advance I, for embarrassing I you. I absolutely cannot wait. I'm gutted it's December. That's ages away. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. Oh, no. I don't, I don't I, even know the rules. They've told me to download the app <laughs> because I need to. It's sort of on occasionally when we're having dinner and, and my husband refused to tell me the rules for the 15th time. So I'm just going to have to try and work it out before Thursday. You just answer the questions, right? That's... But don't you have to decide on amounts of money and things and, and the the amount of money that you challenge the chaser with, that kind of thing, oh, don't okay. you do that? Brad, Bradley will help, he seems like a nice guy. Will he? I think you just go yeah. with the number that you've got or something. But if he can understand your accent, are you going to really yam yam it up? Go on. Right, okay, just for yam yam. <laughs> I will, uh, go on from Godsell. Uh, I don't know, yes, Very it's, it's quite scary. But um, yeah, Johnny Vegas, Fallon Sherrick, the darts player, and... Dev Griffin, 
DJ will be my teammate. Decent so. lineup, very decent. Yeah, it should be fun. I know Fallon anyway. She's a great girl. So anyway, fun. enough of that nonsense. Um, Wolves have signed a footballer who seems to be quite good and he's extremely young. And you've written a rather good article about this on theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. If you would like to get your first 30 day subscription free, if you haven't already subscribed, surely everybody who listens to this Come must on, subscribe because they want to read your stuff, right? Now, youth coaches, Tim, will tell you that the best youth players don't always go on to make it as a professional at all. So what makes the Wolves staff so confident that this boy will be a top player and worthy of the £35 million they spent on this 18-year-old? That's a good question. I think what often goes wrong with superstars and wonder kids would be maybe their attitude. And we know, we know we've heard it firsthand from people like Kevin Thelwell, but we know that Wolves have got this this policy of signing hard-working professionals who who are humble and he ticks those boxes from what I'm told and they believe he's got enormous potential now that's the thing about this deal Wolves tend to buy players for around 10 10 to 20 million bracket the vast majority have been in that Jota, Bolly, Neves, Traore, Johnny all kind of age 19 to 24, 25 Dendonka as well and costing between 10 and 20 million, which they see as a bargain, um, and with room for potential, ceiling for growth. And it's worked, it's worked exceptionally well. All those players are worth more than what Wolves paid for them. This is different. This is paying over the odds for what he is at the moment. He will, um, I won't state my reputation on it because I don't have one, but I really would be very surprised if he didn't, if he started, I'd be very surprised if he started against Sheffield United. Sources in Portugal say he's not he's not ready for to be a Premier League starter. That's the that's the sort of negative, I guess. And the fee is far more than what he's worth at this moment in time. However, the potential for this guy is huge, and he's been kind of one of the most talked about strikers in European youth football for about two or three years now. He's broken records at Porto. He scores goals regularly. And what Wolves like about him, other than his sort of personality traits, is the fact he's a bit like very much in the Raul Jimenez mould. Now, Wolves have had a problem with signing a backup to Raul Jimenez to the extent where Catroni came and went last season. They tried to sign Tammy Abraham a year before. Um, And signing a 27, 28-year-old, proven, prolific striker who's good and is happy to sit on the bench behind Raul Jimenez is almost impossible and they've really struggled with that so ideally you want a young striker who's who can be um, slowly kind of brought through from the bench and moulded and become sort of the heir to Jimenez's throne I guess and um, they believe they found him in Fabio Silva who is very much in the Jimenez mould in that he is um, he scores goals with both feet he's good in the air he's very good at linking the play and um, very intelligent player that's what's really struck me from the conversations that I've had in that he um, he always knows where to be in the box is what I've been told and he's always in the, one of those right place at the right time strikers but that's not by luck you know that's that's his intelligence and his movement and it's just that fee that 35 million pound fee now a lot of big clubs have looked at Silver over the past couple of years but the general feeling was that he was unattainable because why on earth would Porto let this kid go um, he's got 110 million buyout clause a long term contract Porto have a, a, a very impressive record of bringing through youth players playing them in the first team for two, three, four years and then selling them on for, for large amounts of money 
So why has he become available now? Well, Porto are in um, a bad financial situation. The suggestion is that they need to raise 100 million this summer for FFP purposes. They've been hit, as everybody has, by coronavirus. They need to raise funds. And Wolves have watched this kid for about two or three years, but it only became known to them about a week before the deal was done that he was available. And obviously, George Mendes, who's not his agent, and he's not he's not a guest of client, but obviously Mendes, um, very heavily involved at Porto, and of course at Wolves. And this is where he became involved and said, look, this guy's available, do you want him? And Wolves turned around, certainly in terms of the, the I guess the recruitment team and the scouting network and said yes you know we want him um, get the deal done if you can and then Jeff she has I guess agreed that the fee is a calculated risk and a risk worth taking people that I've spoken to have said that in three years time that 110 million buyout clause would be his market value if he progresses as, as, he, as he can so it won't be a bargain this season I'm predicting um, I don't think he'll start a huge amount of games in the league if Jimenez is fit, unless they change to three-five-two, perhaps. But the potential for this guy is enormous. Very exciting signing. Very exciting. Well, a couple of lines stood out from your article, Tim. Wolves were struck by his determined personality, strong work ethic, and a winning mentality. Humble and hardworking. Now that, if you are signing a 18-year-old supposed wonder kid for an incredible fee, you need him to be humble and hardworking. Because if he comes to Wolves or goes to any club and feels that he's arrived, and, and you know, and all his mates think he's arrived, and blah blah blah, it's a recipe for disaster. And how many times have we seen that? I don't want to name names, but we have seen that, particularly with English young English lads. And it hasn't worked out. So all those characteristics you've talked about just there seem to tick, 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 tick so many boxes that Wolves need right now, especially in terms of the type of player. Because we saw at Tottenham, we say it so many times, that Spurs really struggle to find a, a replacement for Harry Kane for when he's injured, someone who's willing to sit on the bench every week, but who could potentially be as good as him. So it does seem to make sense. And it just seems the fee is more than they'd want. But then, as we've said before, football fees aren't always whether a player is worth that right now, it's what you have to pay to actually get them because clubs don't necessarily want to let them go. And um, it just seems to work for everybody in this situation. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? Wolves have got so much credit in the bank from the bargains that they've bought in the last few years. And George Mendes in particular has been a massive help in that. Vinagra, 2 million. Matinho, 5 million. Bolly was only 10. Neves was only 15. All these are worth more than that now. Traore was 18, he's worth more than that. So they've got credit in the bank from that. They haven't paid over the odds for anyone, really, in terms of their first-team players right now. So there is, is a slight concern, from my point of view, that the first two big deals that have been done since Kevin Thelwell's departure don't represent, at this moment in time, value for money. That's a slight concern for me. You know, We know that, that Thelwell would have been... Uh, a key part of transfer negotiations that's part of his remit and Wolves have like I said historically got very good value for money obviously helped by Mendes but also by Thelwell and that's what first that's what first struck me when I heard about the Doherty fee last week that Wolves are willing to let him go for 15 million pounds that's not like them they get really good value for money for their outgoings as well Cavalero 20 million pounds Costa 20 million pounds Danny Bart was was it almost five million. Dicko was three point five. You know they, they've got some really good fees for more than what you'd think they would get for players in the last few years. Bod Varson was three and a half, I think, when they sold him. So to sell a player for less than what he's worth right now, in my opinion, in Matt Doherty, 
when you look at Matty Cash going for 16 million. Yeah, that's the one, a isn't championship it? right back. And Doherty goes for 15. A proven, ready, ready now, excellent professional, can slot into the Premier League, you know, second best right wing back. No sell-on value, though, as much, though, as such. No. It's different yeah, in terms of ages. Be 29 in January. Yeah, but I just think what he's worth to this Wolf team and what he's worth in the current market, that is not enough money for me. I think he's got to be at least 20 million. And then you look at Silver, it still he still carries an element of risk because if he doesn't kick on as we as Wolves expect him to do, then it's it's going to be a lot of money, isn't it? However, what I would say with Silver, if he doesn't quite live up to it in the next year or two and maybe maybe he comes to move on, this is all, you know, conjecture. They'd have a good chance of getting a decent fee because he'll always still have that potential when he's got when he's at a young age. You know they managed to get the money back for Catroni as well. So um, just just a slight concern for me that the two big deals they've done so far, Doc out and Silver in, are not exactly value for money from a Wolves point of view. And looking at Fabio Silver's statistics, um, of course he hasn't started very many games. In fact, he's only started one league game 11 substitute appearances um and one goal but looking at the minutes that he's got i mean yeah, exactly. over the last season yeah. his last few games for example came on 85th minute 76th 73rd 88 80 71 73 86 and 90 so you can't really garner how a player really can get into a game and how he can also the way you feel on the pitch, you don't get that chance to get the rhythm, to get the flow, the totally, link-up play, yeah. etc. So you cannot judge him on that. That's not what they've signed him on, his goal-scoring record, 1 in 12. I mean, that doesn't tell you anything team. at all. No. Absolutely, yeah. You look at that 1 in 12 and you think, yeah, that's not great. But yeah, as you say, he's played 180 minutes. So that's 1 in 2. He's got 1 in 2 games um, <laughs> in terms of minutes. So that's, pretty, that's the same as him in it. That's fine. So, and also what you've got to say is that he'll be given the best possible chance to settle in and... We've spoken about this on the pod, the, the, the community they've got in Technol and Compton, all the Portuguese lads live near each other, their families mix, they like spending time with each other, they've got their own little community and it really, really helps players settle in. We saw that with Neto last year and we also saw the flip side with Catroni who came in and didn't really know anyone and didn't, no one spoke Italian and he didn't really speak English and lo and behold he struggled and left after six months so he'll be given every possible chance to settle. It's a very, very exciting sign in. And I think I think we'll be seeing a lot of him. Like I said, I don't think he'll be starting, but I think we'll be seeing him come off the bench. In the, I think he'll play in the majority of, of games this season. Nuno and Jimenez. In Nuno and Jimenez, he couldn't have two better people to to guide him through and, and realise that potential. Exactly. And there are times that Nuno, there's not so much that he wouldn't want to start at Jimenez, but he might want to bring him off after an hour instead of after 80 minutes. And it might be that after yeah, a few substitute appearances, option, he thinks, he, I can do that. He yeah. flogged him last season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we saw what happened at the end of the season. And just going back to his stats, that one goal that he scored in the league was in the 88th minute. He'd only come on in the 86th minute. So, I mean, give the lad a chance. And he scored a hat-trick for Portugal in an under-19s match in October. 4-1 win over Italy. I mean, yeah. I mean, also, we noticed his highlights reel. When you first look at that, if you haven't heard of the lad and you see the highlights reel, you go, oh, that's not very exciting. But actually, that's totally accounted for by the fact that the type of player he is and the movement and the knowing where to be at the right time doesn't always equate to a scintillating highlights reel. And also how many players have had fabulous highlights reels and have turned out to be complete and utter duds? Well, yours yours would be pretty good, Jackie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's No, yeah, that, that was explained to me as well. He doesn't really score wonder goals and yet his highlights reel might not be great. 
you've explained it perfectly because yeah he tends to score lots of headers lots of 10 yard finishes and that's, that's, that's perfect for a striker now, as a listener of this podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash view right now. That's harrys.com forward slash view. So that's exciting. And then there is another player, just as Wolves were fans were just getting their heads around the signing of an actual new footballer who might even play in the first team. Wolves go and sign Fernando Marcel from Lyon, a 31-year-old left-sided defender who played in the semi-finals of the Champions League this month for Lyon. What can we expect from him? I don't think he's necessarily going to set the world alight, but he comes in primarily because of Johnny's injury, we've got to say. And... He's versatile in that he can play left centre-half and left wing-back. I, I think he's probably going to be a left wing-back to start the season. And I mentioned Vinagre at the top of the show. You know, He may be allowed to leave as soon as they've got, um, they've got Mark Allen and Johnny as two left wing-backs and suddenly Vinagre's, you know third choice. But why now? Why not January or the end of this coming season? Why now when there isn't that backup? Johnny's nowhere near being fit. That's a good question. Um, I think it depends if, 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 if the deal is right and the money comes in that they want then they'll sell him now in the knowledge that um, Vinagre probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't be playing a huge amount of football this side of Christmas other than what the Carabao Cup. Um, it's a risky one. And if one. this guy um, gets injured in the first game and yeah, they've just sold Vinagre? Absolutely, but that's not the way they work though, is it? We've been, I've been saying for three seasons, where, where's Doherty's backup? And where's Jimenez's backup? Touch wood, they've never needed one because those guys never really got injured. Same with Matinho. That's the way they work, you know. Fans hoping, like I said again at the top of the show, fans hoping for a, for a bigger first team squad of twenty twenty one players with backups. It's just not going to happen. No, but there has to be a know. backup. There has to be a backup, Tim. Say this guy gets injured, or I don't know, Kung Fu kicks someone in the crowd in the first game, and he's out for a while. Um, what uh, what happens if they sold Vinagre? Who literally who would play there? Who would play there? It's a good question. Uh, Lewis Richards maybe from from the twenty threes. I mean, it's a very similar situation to. If Vinagre does go, similar situation to what they've had with Doherty in the last two or three years. In the There's Oscar, Oscar Burr Rasmussen, yeah. As a, yeah, but he's you know barely featured in the first team and is, is not kind of considered one that's going to progress into the first team. As far as I'm aware, it'll be Traore playing at right wing back at Sheffield United if they don't sign a right wing back in time. So it's a difficult one to get your head around, really. I think Nuno thinks, you know, he's sort of got 11, 12... 13 maybe first team players you know you look at the regular 11 from last season plus Dendonka and plus now Silva and then the rest I guess you'd say will be backups really Gibbs White Jordao from last season this is Kilman um, Campana and I'm guessing maybe Vinagra's now moving into that group in terms of being a backup player and what, what Nuno doesn't like and has never had in the last three years is, is backup players to sit on the bench he thinks if he's not going to play, we might as well move him on and give youth an opportunity as the backup players. That's always been his philosophy. We'll have a key first-team group supplemented by under-23s to back it up. Now, I agree with you. It's risky, and Vinagra's a huge talent, but maybe if they do let him go, they probably think he hasn't kicked on quite as much as uh, they thought he would in the last three years. Well, that's fine if it's him, but there needs to be somebody there, surely. If not him, then someone else. That's the confusing thing, that 
anybody can do an ACL, haven't forbid, in the opening game of the season. Um, I guess if it were to happen, you'd rather it was early on, where there's still time to recruit, not after the deadline of October the 5th. But um, OK, well, we'll have to see how that one transpires. But just going back uh, to Marcel, uh, I did a bit of research on his... Uh, <laughs> I know he's a defender. I did a bit of research on his goal scoring just for fun. His last two goals were own goals. He hasn't scored in the right end since January 2016 in the Turkish Cup for Gaziantep Spore. His last league goal was February 2014 for Portuguese side Nacional. So maybe um, maybe not one for the fantasy team if you're expecting goals. That's that's fair to you're say. Going to get a lot of bookings as well, but look a bit looks a bit uh, looks a bit in the safe mould of, of of yellow and red cards. Um, so no, he can't the, get sent uh, off. There's no backup, so he's not allowed to. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's he true. just can't. Um, so now they're pleased with the addition. They're pleased with the fee. I mean, two million quid for a for a lad who's just played in the Champions League semi final. On the face of it, that sounds good. Um, I don't know a huge amount about about the player, but I know that um, they feel like it'll be a really solid addition for two years. I mean, it's a two year contract. So the fact that Johnny has done his ACL has, has led to this happening. Um, but I think they're probably looking at getting a bit more experience in the group. You know, you looked at a couple of the games that they should have won towards the end of last season. Game management wasn't wasn't quite there. So to bring in a guy of his gravitas and experience will definitely bolster that side of the group. That's one thing you can say that they that they are slightly short of. And his first language is Portuguese, which helps. Is it? Oh, that'll be helpful. <laughs> Well, being Brazilian, yeah. Um, new midfielder. This is what, it's not as much a meltdown at the moment, but it's what the Wolves Twitterati are desperate to know. So initially, we were a little concerned that this player was due to be announced on the day of recording, by which time most people would, would know who it was once the pod had come out. But actually, it sounds like it's not necessarily happening imminently, maybe later in the week. Can you tell us any more? Yeah, I'm told this isn't this isn't like a big blockbuster first-team addition. This is basically going to be Jordan, Bruno Jordan's replacement in the... Um, Again, a bit of a surprise, but again, Nuno maybe feels he hasn't kicked on in the last year. He's going to be allowed to leave on loan. Bearing in mind, he, he barely played last season. I mean, he, <laughs> he couldn't even get off the bench, could he, Jackie? Do you remember when he was stood stood on the uh, on the sidelines at yeah. the end of that game? <laughs> yeah. um, so he did struggle, literally, to get on the pitch. Um, so they're, I think they're happy to let him go on loan, and they'll bring someone in to replace him in the squad. Um, I'm told it's a young, a young player um, who they'll bring in on loan with an option to buy. Um, he'll be kind of back up on the bench to what is um, already a strong first team midfield of, of Martino, Neves and Dendonka so they're not bringing in someone to displace those three players it's going to be a, a young backup later and is week. there definitely going to be a right wing back addition definitely yeah so once yeah two additions in another one late this week and then right wing back is well it already is really the very clear priority um, for the rest of the window and probably not too much on top of that, you know. Don't mean to kind of um, dampen expectations, but yeah, there won't be. Um, as far as I know, at the moment, they're not looking for a centre half. Um, that was one I thought that they'd look at this summer in terms of a, a proven first team centre half to maybe come in instead of Sace, uh, was my kind of thinking. But no, as far as I'm aware, nobody's currently been looked at as a centre half. That's not to say they won't bring one in if the opportunity comes up, but as it stands, uh, right wing back is the is the clear priority for the for the rest of the window. Any ideas what sort of caliber this right wing back would be? I mean, a proper Doherty replacement, as in somebody mm. perhaps they even want to see as being younger and maybe even with more potential than than Matt managed to show, although he did brilliantly, of course. Yeah, I think they'll they'll look to evolve that team, maybe get someone with a bit more. You look at Doherty's weaknesses; there weren't many, but 
I guess he wasn't the quickest. They might look distribution. For it seems, yeah. Distribution as well. Maybe. I mean, again, he was technically very good. <laughs> Come back, Doherty. Where have you gone? <laughs> um, no, just I'm just trying to think of where they can upgrade in terms of what he lacked. But positionally, he, he got caught out now and again. And like I said, he wasn't the quickest. But they'll be looking for someone with maybe more of an all-round game who can potentially play in a couple of positions they love that they love that versatility so I'd expect a bit of money to be spent on on that signing um, and like I said if not if not before Sheffield United then it'll be Trey Ray who, who fills in Do we think that Wolves fans are actually going to be able to watch this match at Sheffield United because as things stand there's another match on that night which is Brighton against Chelsea which is being shown on Sky Sports and unlike Project Restart, when all the matches were available to view, that's not going to be the case as things stand the season, though they are pushing for change, aren't they? I think we'll see something in the in the coming days. I, I, I can't see there being an option where people who would normally have a season ticket can't watch these matches. You know, they might, might have to maybe pay. I, I, I don't know. I don't think they'll all be free like they were towards the end of last season, but I'm sure there'll be something that fans can watch this game. I really hope so. Mm. It's not as if people are asking for it for free. It's just access because yeah, otherwise looking for... Yeah. I have asked the Premier League and normally sort of really prompted getting back to me, but maybe this is a bit of a, a bone of contention at the moment and maybe they don't mm. want to say anything at the moment. I'm sure it so, is um, because, because we don't know the situation and fans could be back in a month, albeit limited. So it's a very, very difficult situation and they've got their kind of product and whatever to protect. But no, come on, it's got to be about the fans. Um, fans have got to be able to watch. Yeah, people would be willing to pay, but they just have to have access. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen. People try all sorts of other means. Um, so before we go on to a few tweets, Tim, just wanted to get your view on basically what we talked about in the last podcast with Paul Berry. You've you've said a few times now, Doc Fee, Doc Fee, don't really understand it. But were you surprised by the sale at all? Yes, yes. It came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting him to leave this summer. From what from what I gather, he wasn't looking to leave. Um and certainly wasn't kind of pushing to leave, and I'm, that'll be no surprise to anybody because he's not that sort of character. But from what I'm told, once he knew that Wolves were willing to sell him, then he wanted that move. And I think the lure of Mourinho, you know, people people can say what they want about Mourinho, but it's still when he says he wants you to sign for him, that is a massive draw. So you had that, obviously the stadium, obviously it's a club that were in the Champions League final a year ago. So I think once, like I said, he wasn't looking to go, from what I understand, but once he knew that Wolves were willing to sell him and that a deal was potentially likely, then he was keen to make that move, which I think is reflected in the comments that Jeff Shee made about, you know, Doherty keen to go. But I would stress that it wasn't like he went knocking on Nuno's door and said, I want to leave this summer, you know, from what I understand. Because he's very happy at Wolves, very happy at Wolves. I think anyone who saw um, some of the interviews he's done recently about his 10 years at the club, will know how happy he was and settled. Obviously, very settled family, settled around here as well. So a big move a big move for him. I think it's a great move for him. I think it's a great move for Spurs as well. And I think he'll do very well there. He says a surprise, but don't forget he did move agents to George Mendes' guest food agency at the start yeah, of last year. So why would he have done that if he wasn't looking for one big move? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely part of it. And obviously, uh, I mean, I wonder how much... Um, I'd love to know the percentage rise in what he's weekly earnings are from about 18 months ago he signed his new contract a year ago I think the suggestion was he went up to about 50 grand a week like I said these are often inflated but I'm sure that was the right kind of area um, and now I'm sure he's had a big pay rise again so yeah it was an interesting move to move with with Guestafute um, but like I said 
as far as I'm aware, he hasn't instigated this. But once it became apparent that Wolves are happy to let him go, um, Wolves, for their part, were also keen to get him out the door, I suppose. Um, if he was going to go, let's get it done now. Um, no manager wants players hanging around at the start of you know pre-season for the new season. It just creates uncertainty and, and whatnot in training. But um, So, yeah, there you go. But what you, what you would say is 10 magnificent years, an incredible journey from League One to the Europa and he'll leave with everyone's best wishes and I'm sure you know if fans are around the next time he returns to Molyneux he'll get a great reception yeah absolutely I hope so and of course we wish him the very best of luck and uh, hope it goes really well for him at Tottenham by the way it, it did occur to me do you remember when we were so up in arms excuse the terrible pun um, about his uh, him closing his eyes and, and the handball at Burnley mm-hmm. We didn't know it at the time, but that effectively has secured himself Europa League football yeah, next season, yeah, yeah, which he wouldn't yeah. have had at Molyneux. So uh, those two extra points would have seen Wolves finish two points above Tottenham in six. And instead, his old club funny doesn't old have game, any Funny old game, Jackie. Funny old football. game. Yes, of course it is. Very funny old game. But uh, moving on to Conor Cody. We haven't heard your views yet on the great man getting an England call-up. Ah, brilliant. Is he going to play? Is he going to play? So I've seen a couple of reports saying he might play on Tuesday night. Well, you would think if he's going to play, it would be from the start. Bearing in mind, he's only going to play if they switch to a back five, you would think. Otherwise, he's not going to play at the centre of a back two. He would have been picked about two years ago if that was the case. I had a long so, conversation with my editor this morning, uh, one of our editors, about... Um, I was like, oh, if Cody plays, I've got to go. I've got to go. I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll um, yeah, I'll, dri- I'll, drive down to, I'll drive down to Wembley. I've got family there. Yeah, I've got to go. I've got to be there. And then, <laughs> and then we had a conversation, basically agreed it. And then no. he texted about half an hour later. Yeah, you know it's in Denmark, don't you? <laughs> okay. Oh, spiders. <laughs> Never mind. Um, yeah, no, fully deserved. I think whether they're playing a back three or a back eight or a back seven, whatever, he, he deserves a call-up to have a look at um, for what he's done, for what he is, for the kind of personality he is. And I think he'll fit really well into that squad. I could not be, could not be happier for him. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... At least you've got him to still give you interviews now. Matt Doherty's gone. That's another native English speaker that's gone. Did did he do much with you, Matt? Yeah, he was good. He was good. Um, yeah, he was always very forthright and said says what he thinks. Kind of very kind of dry sense of humour. Very laid back, which I think comes comes across on the pitch as well sometimes. And people find him hard to figure out. But no, he was um, no, he was great. He was yeah, really nice guy. Nice, lovely family as well. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the experts in men's below-the-belt grooming. Blimey. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. So you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. We've all been there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to groom whilst in the shower. Very helpful. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this very podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping right now by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% with all free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. Okay, so ready for a few tweets. Okay. Swiss Old Gold, Simon Hill. Can you confirm the rules, please, for homegrown players versus overseas? Where do we stand? Could this be good news for players like Dion Sanderson, who, in my humble opinion, has great potential? Yeah, we touched on this last week. Dion Sanderson, um, from what I understand, he won't be around this season. I think they're looking to get him a, a loan move. 
Um, strange situation at the moment at Compton. So many players are on international duty, of course. So it's a chance to have a look at some of the under-23s and some forgotten names, Jackie. Some forgotten names. <laughs> yes. Currently training with the first team is Leo Bonatini. Wow. Remember him? Mm. Uh, currently training with the first team is Ryan Bennett. Remember him? Mm. Um, someone who isn't, from what I understand, is Roderick Miranda, who's actually with the under-23s at the moment, which isn't great for him. Um, still going, Rodders. He's still I going. He's still there. <laughs> My goodness. So, yeah. Um, another one who's training with the first team is Meritan Shibani, who people may have forgotten because it's been so long since he played and you were there weren't you Jackie when he last played yeah. against Reading, Reading in the League in the, Cup in the League Cup where he did his ACL oh, horrendous I remember it being so quiet inside Molyneux and everyone was just like oh my god because you could just tell he's like screaming in pain oh it was awful but he's back now he's back playing and I think he'll get some minutes in the, in, again in the Carabao Cup uh, in the coming weeks he's training with the first team squad so when I see a question about homegrown players I don't I don't think it's an issue at the moment um I don't think they need to sign anybody to pass that threshold put it that way um I'd have to count up the numbers um which I did tell you yesterday that I would do but um I spent three hours on the phone this morning from 8am to 11am so I haven't quite looked at you tell yet, your mum you call about later have a podcast <laughs> to record uh but no I think they're absolutely fine on that front football scout morning morning to you too when are squad numbers released is the first question uh, this week, I think. Oh, I think they're bringing out a third kit as well this month, which everyone can get very excited about, and hopefully they'll prefer it to the away kit. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. What's the inside Wolves' view on the League Cup? As I note, we're playing our game against Stoke close to a league game, which would indicate squad players getting game time. I think they'll see it as a really good opportunity to, to play some under-23 players. So, yeah, the League Cup's obviously different this year. It's bang, 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 week after week. They've already made the draw for round three. So Wolves play Stoke. That's Stoke with Danny Bart, with Benny Kofobi, with Sam Vokes, and with one more. There was four. Stephen Fletcher, that's it. Stephen Fletcher. Oh, blimey. Who they've signed this summer. So they come to Molyneux in between the Sheffield United and Man City games. I'd predict it would be Thursday night because those two league games are on Mondays. And then a week after, if Wolves win, Gillingham, Jordan Graham's Gillingham, friend of the Molyneux view. Yes. Uh, or Coventry, newly promoted to the Championship Coventry with, with Ryan Giles, who I presume won't be allowed to play on loan from Wolves. So, yeah, so then we talk about getting into Europe and we talk about this club wanting to win trophies. I mean, there's a couple of winnable home ties in the Carabao Cup to get you through to the fourth round um, this month. So, Nuno's paid no respect to this competition in three years. Uh, so, it has to be a change of approach to start that now. I mean, if you remember what he did at Villa last season, playing eleven kids, mm. eleven most of the players got no chance of ever playing for Wolves, and he basically just sacrificed that game at Villa. I hope he doesn't do the same again because, like I said, two two winnable home ties, you're through to the fourth round, you've got a very good squad. There's no Europe this season; you can give play it a bit more of a priority. I'd love to see that happen. I'm sure all fans would love to see that happen as well, but we'll see. Um, but I think, yeah, the likes of. Vinagra, if he's still around, Fabio Silva, um, thirty-five million pound reserve, uh, Leo Cam- Leo Campana. It's a shame Luke Matheson isn't fixed. I think he would play as well. Yeah, um, do we know when he's going to be fit? I think he's in rehabilitation at Lillyshaw at the moment, so hopefully not too far away. If they were to lose in the Carabao Cup early, we'll see a lot of these players shipped out on loan, either till January or the end of the season. You know, very quickly. 
But if not, Nuno will use it as a uh, use his backups um, and see how far they get in the competition. Um, like I said, it's potentially a bit of a decent opportunity to get far this year. You think it'd be quite handy for Nuno to have the EFL Cup as a bit of an outlet for some of those players who don't get to start every week or hardly ever, ever, um, just to try and take the pressure off him a little bit. I know he doesn't think like that, but he doesn't want people knocking on his door saying they're not happy. So if he does have some of these games that he can play these players in, and the likes of John Ruddy as well, potentially, who presumably wants yeah. to actually play some football at some stage, it's going to be oh, more you, useful absolutely. being in it than out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of players who be desperate to play. Completely agree. Yeah. And a chance to win a trophy, which would take the pressure off if big if they don't do as well this season in the league as it did the season before say they were to end up finishing 10th or something but with a, a league cup that's going to be seen as some chance to win a trophy game in Europe it's a no-brainer absolutely Europe god remember that uh, Craig Tim returns <laughs> from holiday same day Wolves go on massive spending spree coincidence <laughs> you mentioned about Europe I was, so, I was so excited by those European draws last season and then I was watching Sky Sports yesterday and it's <laughs> Gillingham at home, <laughs> the League Cup, come on. <laughs> noted your sarcasm on Twitter. I'm not sure if everybody else got it, but I was quite excited. My sarcasm is lost on people on Twitter, I've got to say. But yeah, no, oh, we miss Europe, we do. You just miss all the flights and all the fun. <laughs> you do. That article you wrote last season, wow, it did look fun. Um, but yes, they did clearly wait for you to go on holiday before um, reporting anything of interest, players going, coming, meltdowns, etc. Richard Humphreys, with a vast expense of our academy, why has it become such a failure? I think Carl Ikemi was the last graduate to have a consistent first-team spot. Cameron John last year was apparently wanted by bigger teams, yet he's been sold to Doncaster. It's worrying, he says. It's a different concept these days, the the academy. I've written about this a couple of times and it might be worth revisiting because I think fans still aren't fully aware of how it works these days. But Wolves now sign a lot of players aged 15, 16, 17, some of whom they know will maybe never play for the club. Um, and they raise their profile, they might send them out on loan and then they sell them on for a higher fee. And the academy itself becomes profitable. That's the idea. It will sit as a standalone business, a standalone entity that brings players in, sells players on, and they make money out of it. Someone like Duckins Nazan, I remember he came in for a tiny fee and they ended up making quite a decent profit on him. Ben Stevenson, do you remember him? I think. He came yeah, I saw him play on Saturday. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. How was he? Was he good? We missed out there? No. <laughs> okay. Um, it wasn't bad, but it didn't stand out. <laughs> Well, there you go. So, yeah, so they made a bit of money on him. Uh, I'm sure there are quite a few examples that just don't spring to mind at the moment, but you're not going to get, as, as lovely as it is, um, Dion Sanderson from Wensfield coming through the academy into the first team, um, Terry Taylor from Kings Winford coming through as a youngster all the way to the first team. It's just not going to happen anymore. It's not. It's got to be someone special. Um, Wolves' scouting network is worldwide now and they are looking to bring in the best in the world, and the chances of finding one of them locally is very slim. So it's the likes of Christian Marquez, Nigel Longwick as well, who came from PSV last season, has been training with the first team in recent weeks. These are the ones, you know, they'll come in for a few hundred thousand pounds. Marquez was 650, I think, which is the most they've ever spent on a on, a, on an academy player. Um, and they'll either get first team minutes or they'll move out on loan. Their value will increase and they'll either sell on or progress to the first team, but most likely they'll be sold on for money. That's how it works these days. Yeah, I read Chelsea's Jeffy's done it exceptionally well. Oh, they have Man City as well. That's that's what they did with Brahim Diaz as well, um, and that's the sort of level of team that Wolves aspire to be. And I just quite like the fact that Jeff she was upfront and honest about it. I really like that 
Whereas, you know, I mentioned before, having covered the FA Youth Cup for years and years, you wouldn't really get the coaches admitting it is just a, you know, a farm, a money-making regime. You wouldn't get them to admit it. Whereas everyone from the outside could see, and it was the elephant in the room. So you'd rather they just say, yes, you know, ideally that, you know, a local player would be good enough to come through. But realistically... Yeah, for the for the level we are a if, client if, to the academy. They put it. We are a client. Yeah, totally. If Wolves were in the championship now, Dion Sanderson. I mean, he did really well at Cardiff last year. He'd be in the team. Brian Giles would be in the team. Gibbs White would be in the team. All local lads. It's just not. It's just not going to happen now. And Scott Sellers, I had a very good, very good chat with him, an open chat with him when I was still at the Express and Star, and you know, he explained it. He said Chelsea, are, Chelsea are the model for us. Um, you look at. Do you remember when we were both watching that FA Youth Cup tie last season when Chelsea won? Was what was it seven? Oh yes. Oh goodness. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. Chelsea yeah. slaughtered Wolves. Mm. Absolutely slaughtered Wolves. Um, that's how far behind Wolves are. So, and and it's a key priority for them in the coming years. Jeff She's placing a lot of emphasis on it. Um, n- yes. Not only do they want to make a profit, they do want to bring players through to the first team as well. But. It's a tough ask. I mean, you've seen with Chelsea, it's taken a transfer embargo for them to bring their youngsters through. But um, yeah, certainly very different. Yeah, although they have practice. produced some fantastic players. so They are, absolutely. Yeah. It is now proving worthwhile with the likes of Tammy Abraham, with the likes of Mason Mount and Rhys James, who are first teamers. So that's actually what Wolves really want to aspire to be, is to bring through players who actually are of that calibre. But that takes quite some scouting network, it takes a lot of money, by the way. The fees that they pay them weekly, it made my eyes water when I was told what some of those young kids were getting paid for being nowhere near the first team, by the way. Wolsey's Academy's full-time staff has gone, it's up towards the hundreds now, I think, or up towards a hundred, you know, up from, what, eight or ten, ten years ago, in terms of full-time Academy staff. Neil Shenton, if you want to feel old, if you're at the Boa Vista friendly at Molyneux under Dave Jones, Fabio Silva's dad was on the bench for Boa Vista. (laughs) Wow, that's great stat, (laughs) like that. Well, Neil, if, if that's right, that is absolutely brilliant. I'll tell you what makes me feel old is the fact that he was born in the summer of 2002 and I was at the oh uh, Bradford God, away no. goalless draw opening game of the season. Do you remember? Yeah, do you I do, yeah. Game? Bradford we nil, Wolves white, nil. white kit, didn't we, I think? August 2002, he was just a newborn baby going, wah, wah, a couple of weeks old. Yeah, just after God, I remember, I remember getting drunk watching England games that summer. That, that's how yeah. far long ago that was. I was a full-grown adult. Almost. Yeah, you had to get drunk that summer because Wolves had just blown that 11-point lead. We're not going to mention blah, blah, blah. That's when No, but the, the World Cup games were like nine in the morning, do you remember? And everyone was going to the pub. Yes, I do. I do. I went to the pub before well. school that year. That was a good year. Yeah, I was at work having spent a few years working already. Moving on. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But yes, that is one to make us all feel old. Okay, jumping around a little bit with the context of the text, but that's all good. John Baker, I would suggest that Johnny will go to right back when he's fit. It's his natural position. I mean, that does make sense when you think about it. He only played at left wing back because Matt Doherty was already there at right wing back. No, but he was a left back when they signed him. He'd been playing left back for Celta Vigo. I I think he feels more comfortable on that flank. You think he prefers to play there? I think so. Some players do. I think I think Doherty himself loved, loved playing on the left. Um, he'd asked to play. He'd asked Nuno if he, if he could play there. Apparently, <laughs> Nuno let slip towards the end of last season. Um, he loved it. He loved he loved cutting in from the right flank. Sorry, from the left flank on his right foot. Um, I, I I don't quite see that happening. I think they'll sign a right. I think they'll sign a right wing back personally. Blind FPL says, "I am blind. My wife won't purchase the away shirt for me. How bad is it?" <laughs> <laughs> How bad is it? Well, well, it seems to have grown on a lot of people since it's been 
since they've seen new signings wearing it, yeah. Yes, fancy foreign, exciting new signs at signings wearing it. It seems to have. Um, I bet they've sold a few more shirts since then, haven't they? I don't. What I do don't you reckon? Like do you like it? What's your personal opinion? I would never wear it. Put it that way. It's just like In the if press it was box. that cloud, if it was that cloud <laughs> sky thing all over, I think I might quite like it. Yes. but it's just that. Weird juxtaposition with the white. I just, I don't like it. Are you going to buy it? You going to buy it for your kids or? No, not at that price. No. When I first, um, when I first <laughs> saw it's it, God, they're so expensive. Expensive these piece of cloth. Yeah, I always buy t-shirts for my kids instead of kit. I did buy a kit in the sale a couple of years ago, um, but I first looked at it and I just stared at it for about five minutes, thinking. Are my eyes deceiving me? I've already actually booked in Spec Saviors because my near vision's gone a bit dodgy recently. And I thought that was another case of, no, that can't be right. It was extraordinary, but I tend to like kits that other people despise. I'm a bit weird like that. I like the um, Goodyear tyres one, for example. I think I'm the only person on the planet who quite liked that and bought it. But um, no, it's definitely, it's growing on me a bit, but it's good to be different. I teach my kids this all the time. It's good to be different and you can't. It was bad timing. I felt sorry for. The, I felt sorry for oh. the club launching it at that at that particular moment when everyone mm. was a little bit um, feeling Delicate. a bit negative, maybe not feeling <laughs> great about the club, and then they dropped this massive "love it or hate it" awake it. Oh dear. Do you know what I felt sorry for the um, social media lads full stop anyway recently because, you know, they've been doing the um, the awards on a daily basis. And you just look at the replies yeah. and you just, oh, it's one of those <laughs> yeah, head in like, hands moments. They haven't, oh, they haven't signed anyone have signed that let Doherty go for 15 million, but it's like, here's our lone player of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they can see the funny side. And they, they put out a tweet this morning, which was very humorous. It was um, it had a picture of Willy Bolly and it was, it was something along the lines of, this something like this this was us a week ago and this is us now or something they're just very relieved um we've also had a question about the wolves women which we do get questions every week about them somebody asking us if we'll be doing a a season preview on them they start in a couple of weeks and uh, the latest that really interested me i mean apparently it's all going very well pre-season dan mcnamara the manager said you know it's all looking good and that they are expecting to be able to allow fans in and i've been told by the fa literally since we've been recording this wolves can have 300 for their game at the moment oh, at brilliant. their ground which would be absolutely brilliant especially bearing in mind wolves fans haven't been able to see uh, the men play obviously for a very long time that if they can get behind their women's team who play at Old Wolfroonians in Castlecroft on the 27th, Sunday, the 27th of September at 2pm, then that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? That's fantastic news. Absolutely fantastic. They could easily get 300 down there as well, couldn't they? Yeah. Um, Solid home walls they're playing. That's what they did most most weeks last season. So you'll see a few goals. Yeah, they were running away with the league. They've added six new players, some really good quality in there, and it's all been going well pre-season. So I very much urge Wolves fans to follow at Wolves Women and uh, see how they get on this season because they're very much going for promotion. Uh, but do obviously keep in touch with the uh, Wolves website first before making plans to go down there. But we'll keep you posted anyway. But it's just all sounding positive. And it's good to hear Jeff Shee talking about the Wolves Women team as well. As he mentioned, women's football really is nothing in China. I mean, when I last covered the Women's World Cup last summer, they had something like 600 fully professional players out of, I don't know what the population of China is, but it's quite big. So it's not a big thing there, but the fact they're supporting the Wolves women and they could potentially be something quite special in a few years. Uh, I mean, it's if exciting you don't, if you don't for the know women's what the game and for the club. Is, you're going to struggle on celebrity chase. I'm not being funny, but you, oh, need, you really need to know Oh, that's a good point. Shall I Google things? it? I need to know. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Popular. 
China. <laughs> You're helping me do my research. Population, China. Here we go. It is 1.393 billion. Oh my goodness. And they've got what, 600 professional female players. Wow. Anyway, Tim, thank you. You're going to get outsmarted by Johnny Vegas, aren't you, at this rate? Oh, dear. <laughs> by everybody. And certainly the chaser. I need to work out how it works. Do you have anything else to impart that you haven't yet told us about? There must be I don't think so. I think, I, think, I think we're in a pretty good place now. A week to go. Signings are in. First team looking good. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. Refreshed. We're going again. We're so going you're refreshed, again. which we're really pleased about because you've got lots of articles to write for us on The Athletic, please. We're, we're just sort of desperate for your content at the moment. So so please do work hard on that. Um, do you know if you can go to Sheffield United yet? Um, probably not. I think it's going to be the same restrictions as last season. So maybe, maybe not, but probably not. And can you tell us what you're going to be writing about this week, please? So what am I going to do in? Oh, something I can't tell you about. And then something... Good. Uh, season previewee and then looking at what Wolves' best team is going to be this season in terms of their best 11 and some other stuff which again I can't talk about Okay, so for all of that, go to theathletic.co.uk. If you're a subscriber, you know that already. Download the app. You can get all of the wonderful podcasts from all the different clubs, but also the likes of Ornstein and Chapman. There are football cliches. There are so many really good podcasts on The Athletic and you get them ad-free via the app. Otherwise, you can get them elsewhere with adverts from all your other regular podcast providers. We'll be back next Tuesday morning at 6am in your inbox. We will see you then. Bye for now. 